بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد My name again is Hamza Makbul uh, I know Brother Abu Muhammad for a couple of years now We read some uh, texts online together as well uh, and in person together as well, right? You came to the when I taught the Tahawiya in Masjid yeah. uh, Huda in the Bay Area because both of us are originally from the West well not I guess you're from Georgia, but right. you lived in California for a while. I'm originally from California, uh, so we know each other from back then. A little background about myself. I was born in uh, Southern California, uh, and I lived there till I was 10. Then I moved to Seattle, so I spent all of my youth in the West Coast. I went to the University of Washington. Uh, I did a degree in biochemistry and another degree in Near Eastern Languages. Uh, which is a kind of like a fancy way of saying I did uh, a bunch of Arabic and Turkish. Not Turkish, Turkic, to be technically accurate. Uzbek is kind of like Turkish, but not what we call Turkish nowadays. Anyhow, um, and then after that I went uh, overseas to study Islam in a number of different places. I went to uh, Mauritania, which is a country in West Africa. Uh, principally, I went to a number of places, but principally Mauritania and uh, Pakistan, where I graduated with a seminary degree over there as well after finishing in university. And I've just kind of been going around doing imami type things uh, since then. Um, and I have a special affinity for MSA because I was also part of MSA when I was uh, in University of Washington. We were very active. I feel like we don't have like MSAs that are that active anymore. Um, but uh, it was it was a good time. Anyhow. Would you? This is a small crowd, so I would also appreciate it if everybody maybe took a minute to just you know introduce themselves as well, so that we can tailor the 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 talk to be relevant rather than some like a pro forma cookie cutter type of thing. So uh, my name is Iftar Abdullahi. Um, I'm a third year, and I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, Do you have family in uh, Seattle? Mm -mm. I bet you have family in Seattle. You still probably. Know. Yeah. <laughs> probably, but I don't know. Um, my name is Aisul Sheikh. I'm from uh, Pakistan. Where? Uh, Karachi. Okay, where? In where? Karachi. Yeah. I mean, I live in Clifton. Okay, there you go. Clifton Civilized. Sure. Do, have you been to Karachi? I've been to Karachi many times. Where? Uh, I have in-laws in, in Nazimabad. Oh, North Nazimabad. Okay. Not North Nazimabad, just Nazimabad. Okay, North Nazimabad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like pretty far. It is from where I live. It is. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm from Karachi. I went to Karachi Grammar School. Sure, I'm familiar. familiar with it. Yeah. You are okay. I am we familiar with it. We have three grammarians here at Grenada. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Three people from the same high school yeah. from Pakistan. But yeah, um, yeah, that's my introduction. Great. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ahmed Fawla. I'm from California. Where? SoCal. Okay, where? <laughs> okay. Cool. Rabbi Sarah, um, serve as the interim dean of religious life here, and appreciate the invitation to join you all today. Well, we appreciate you coming over. Uh, and then I, uh, this everybody's an undergrad here. The, this the university doesn't have any yes, graduate programs. Yeah. yeah. Can I also get what what uh, programs you're in, or if you're undecided? Biochem as well too. I did biochem too, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not a student. Obviously, but. <laughs> yeah. What My was undergrad your... was in political science and Jewish studies. Okay. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Where was it from? University of Minnesota. Uh, Minneapolis? Minneapolis, yeah. So I grew up in Minneapolis. I love Minneapolis. It it's has a great city. It's the closest place that has nice coffee shops that remind me of Seattle. That's not actually Seattle. So. That's true. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So the 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 talk that or like the title that I was given was balancing uh, academics and act, life in general, being in school and being spiritually grounded, and being and spiritually also grounded. How to order yourself and get yourself on a life path after school. So that's the that's the topic, um, and what I wanted to say is, f- with regards to that, and then maybe open it up for kind of a discussion. You could like speak about or ask about things that you're more interested in speaking about or asking about. The preface to the discussion is this: is that you know coming out of your home. In particular, for those of us who are the children of immigrants, or perhaps immigrants ourselves, or at least from a culture that is more directly linked east, rather than people who are, I guess, like grounded and born and raised here, not just born and raised, because I was born and raised here, right? But the home was uh, an immigrant home. Um, one of the one of the things that uh, I really appreciate about about the difference between the culture that I was raised in and about the kind of ambient culture in America uh, that, uh, that that kind of dominates. One of the things I appreciated about the outside culture, because growing up as a kid, there's like a lot of, like, okay, there's like people outside and we're different, right? And the more I, the more I grow up, the more I realize this is a very normal human thing. Everybody thinks they're different and really nobody's different. Like there are some differences, right? You may eat different things or you may speak a different language or you may prefer different types of clothing. But when you kind of deconstruct things, you get down to the core, everybody's the same. And one of the things that's very similar between like all human beings is they all want to feel like they're different. Really, they're all the same. The, the modalities and the, the, the colors and the, the, the kind of like uh, uh, outward forms change, but inside, you know, your like life experiences just boil down to like a, a couple of like a handful of common experiences and feelings that people have, and they're not even unique to Muslims, much less to like different countries and different languages and different you know, ethnicities and races and things like that. I you know this is a side side discussion that we're not here for, but like the word race has no objective definition as far as I can tell. Uh, so, but that's another unique kind of like uh, cultural. Uh, show to enjoy the, the spectacle of in America. But at any rate, coming back to the issue is that we have this dichotomy of what's inside and what's outside. And uh, um, definitely the modalities, there's some differences between them. However, uh, from, those, from those kind of slight differences, one of the things I appreciated as I kind of went on with my, uh, with my life uh, that I feel like I didn't really get from the home that we can also appreciate if this is a common experience, which it may be. Um, your life is just whatever you want to make it into. We oftentimes use our parents as a crutch. We use our extended family as a crutch. We use some sort of cultural expectations, some sort of communal expectations as a crutch. crutch. You know, communal expectation is what, right? Um, everyone needs to feel like they belong to something or another. 
And uh, um, it's a very natural human thing to organize yourself in the hierarchy. And the way you move up the hierarchy is that whatever that thing you belong to, you show your dedication to that thing more and more. So if your life is all about sports and basketball, if you're on the team, if you're a better player than everybody else, you'll move up the hierarchy. If you're a fan, you know, the fact that you went to this many games and you have this many jerseys and this and that, you'll move up the hierarchy. These social hierarchies exist for every single thing. They exist within families, they exist within tribes, they exist within religions, including Islam, uh, and, uh, they ex and including other religions as well. They exist within, you know, kind of like national groups and things like that. Um, and so it's a, it's a human thing because a human being needs to like fit into somewhere or another, but don't drink the Kool-Aid so hard that you let it drive you. And this is one of the things I feel like is unique to Islam, or, uh, at least I, if it's unique or not, I shouldn't say, because then that involves commenting on other people's uh, traditions and I'll let them like represent themselves. But at any rate, this is a feature of Islam as well, is that there's all of this is there. If you read through the Quran, you read through the... Uh, corpus of hadith is replete with uh, people enjoining people to be good to your brother Muslim and to be good to your parents and to be good to your neighbors and to be good to you know whatever groups you belong to but ultimately the most important thing that you're going to do in your life this life that you have in this world it's you have to do what you need to in order to attain salvation that salvation will be validated in a world other than this world if you blow it it was your own choice if you make it, it's your own choice, and nobody else will give, will give you know answer questions on your behalf. Your group will not get you, uh, will not save you, and it won't bring you down either. So, if whatever group you belong to or groups you belong to, if all of them make it and you blew it, you didn't do what you needed to do in order to attain your own salvation. Um, they're having made it; it's not going to help you. And if you uh, uh, if you made it and every single one of them perishes on the Day of Judgment, their perishing is not going to harm you. Uh, and this is something that, like I said before, it's something very unique about, uh, 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 about American culture that, that nobody obscures this fact over here. People try not to obscure this fact. People celebrate this fact rather than uh, trying to obscure it, that you're, you're the one who's in control of your destiny. You're the one who uh, does what you, you know, what you want. And at the end of your life, whatever you had, it was your choice. Even if, it's, even if you said, well, I didn't make any choices in my life. I listened to everybody else my entire life. And at the end of it, you know, like I didn't make any choice. How is it my choice? Well, it was your choice to not listen to, to, you know, to not make your own choice. It was your choice to listen to other people. And this is actually one of the teachings of the Quran as well. Is that on the day of judgment, okay, it's fine. A person can understand how a murderer or criminal or whatever will end up in in the hellfire or a person who's a mischief maker, a liar, cheater, whatever other conventional modes of evil we can think of, uh, that those people are going to, when faced with account, will come up short. But the Quran in many different places, it describes also uh, just people who are going with the flow. You know, people like, well, someone just told me something and I listened. Uh, in fact, in the Surah Ibrahim, uh, there's a very interesting there's a very interesting uh, episode that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes with regards to the khutbah, right? The khutbah is like the Friday sermon, right? Generally, right? This is the khutbah of Iblis, of Satan in hell. 
So it's not Jama'ah. It's a very different circumstance. But Iblis will be given a pulpit to speak and address all of his fellow, the fellow inmates of the Hellfire. And what will he say? Just you know, his the, the gist of his sermon will be that God commanded you to something, and He made certain promises to you. And I told you to do something, and I made certain promises to you. This day you see that God fulfilled his promises and all of my promises are broken. And I had no power over any of you to make you do anything that you wanted, except for I just said something and listened. So on this day, don't blame, don't, uh, blame me or blame anybody else. Just blame yourself because you picked the wrong team to follow. Uh, this is important. Again, it's not to negate the fact that you ha you have you know your family has certain reasonable expectations for you, but I say I qualify with what with reasonable. Reasonable is what your mother raised you. She changed your diaper when you were a kid. You know if she did something that like upset you, you should like forgive her. You don't even have to recognize that what she did was wrong was right. Just for, let it go. You know. On the flip side, if your mother is like here, I'm gonna go rob a bank. You keep the car running. I'll be back with a sack with like $15,000 in unmarked bills. And you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. What a horrible son. You know, I raised you from when you were a baby. I changed your diapers. I gave you. And this may seem like a, a just kind of a comical, uh, comical example. But guess what? We are where we are for a certain reason. As an imam, when dealing with people's issues, there are all sorts of things people know are wrong, but they'll do them because their parents tell them to. They'll do them because the government tells them to. They'll do them because... Their peer group tells them to. They'll do them because their national group tells them to. They'll do them for, because that's what every other fan of like whatever sports team is doing. They're, they'll do them for all kinds of like myriad different reasons. And, you know, I recognize that an event on campus, there are people who have different, different levels of dedication to Islam. There are some people who are not Muslims at all, mashallah, that are in this talk. So the universal message between all of it is what? If you think that Islam is not true or it's something that's a burden for you or it's something that holds you back and it's really not something that's going to help you uh, uh, in a way that makes it worth it, by all means, go do whatever you want to. You know, you, you're free. Like if Islam is a complete fraud and a sham and it's just there to like make life worse or like keep Muslim countries in the barbarian backwards age, whereas somehow or another, if you come to America, like, you know, buy things at a shopping mall or whatever, you'll, be, you'll have this kind of wonderful, happy and fulfilled life then why, why would you be such a fool to uh, be a Muslim? I would even say to the point that even if you were to come to the conclusion that all religions are universally valid, you'd be a complete idiot to be Muslim in that case. You know how much easier it is just to go to church on Sunday and then have to pray five times a day and to wash your feet in a sink in Iowa and like to, you know, fast in Ramadan. And okay, fa fasting has become a fad again, I guess, you know. So like Huberman said, you should like whatever, not eat for 16 hours in a day. So, okay, you can keep fasting or whatever, right? But like, you know, zakat and hajj, you know, eat halal and blah, 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 all of these different things. And why would you burden yourself for that? As a Muslim, I'm telling you this form of thinking the disagreement I would have as a Muslim is that I believe that, no, this is actually worth it, right? But if you came to the conclusion it wasn't worth it, then my believing it's worth it is not going to help you uh, in the next world. And the form of thinking of what? Doing something that's unnecessarily an encumbrance, unnecessary burden. Why in the hell would anyone do that? It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, and so the point is, is this, that you're... In Grinnell, I don't know, does anyone here live at home and commute to campus? I, I assume most, yeah, right? Like, yeah. I, I assume that 
most if not all students, uh, uh, especially from the MSA, because Grinnell doesn't seem to be like, you know, like whatever, like uh, have like a large Muslim uh, community otherwise. Um, you're out of your house. You're now free from the uh from 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 the normal expectations you would have that you grew up with that you assumed were uh something that 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 are just a normal part of life now you have to cope with kind of a new way of living a new way of uh you know pattern of consumption you no longer eat what your mother cooked or whatever was available at your home you know you have to buy groceries from a store that's different that has different products in the store that that was there wherever you came from uh, there's no Costco or Trader Joe's in Grinnell, so I think I would probably go nuts just because of that. <laughs> uh, so I, you have to adjust. You have to cope with all of those things. It's like the most basic things of life. Um, and so, like, and nobody's going to, like, force you to do anything. Um, and so I find that actually kids that, that come from irreligious families, when they go to university, especially those who, again, like, live in dorms, that's when they start praying five times a day. They'll sleep through Fajr for like their whole life until they're 18. Then they'll come to the dorm, maybe party for like a month or two. And they're like, hey, this is kind of like an empty life. Or maybe they'll like it and they'll just go off in that trajectory. And I, I won't see them. So, you know, I guess the data set is a little bit limited. But the ones that come come then to like events like this are the ones who are like, hey, this is not, enough, you know, this is not something that, that that's fulfilling for me. I got to like uh, keep, you know, keep this in check. And if I'm a Muslim, I may as well start, you know, waking up for Fajr or may as well start being conscious about what I eat or drink or how I speak to people or how I interact with people or whatever. That this is your opportunity right now to re-examine all of those, uh, those different types of like uh, social commitments that you have and to examine which things are you doing for yourself and which things are you doing for others. And by all means, please keep all of those commitments. I mean, it's one of the first teachings of Islam is that a person should respect their parents. I remember this. I read the uh, um, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. There's one of the most like moving parts of it that he said that he knew that, you know, he had to offer, offer an opportunity to come to America before the Holocaust that he saw un unfolding in front of him. He could have avoided it, you know, but he only got the visa for him and his wife. He, they wouldn't let his parents come with him. So he was like, you know, like, what should I do? Like he was kind of fraught. Should I just leave, save myself and my wife? Um, uh, or should I stay with my parents? And so in Vienna, Kristallnacht, when he was walking amongst the debris of like all of the things that were uh, destroyed from the, uh, from the sacking of the synagogue, he said he came upon a fragment of uh, 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 like a kind of like a, 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 a fragment of a decorative, uh, um, a decorative uh, uh, piece of art in which the Ten Commandments were kind of written and it was an unbroken piece that said something like you know like in order that you may be prosper and uh, you know like you know prosper in your life you should you should honor your parents so when he saw that piece which is you know as Muslims we you know we also believe in the 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 divine origin of the 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 commandments of the Torah as well so it's relevant to us and if you read the Quran you read the hadith of the Prophet on the the commandment to honor your parents is again and again and again uh, uh, mentioned and emphasized, you know, uh, uh, very powerfully. 
So it's like I saw that, okay, I knew I, had, I couldn't just like, you know, throw up the deuces and bail on my parents, uh, paraphrase. And uh, he stayed and all of them died. He's the only one who, he's the only one who survived. Every one of them were killed. Every one of his family was killed, his wife, everybody. He lost all of them. But at least he stayed, you know, with them as long as he could. He didn't bail out on them. So I'm not saying, you know, like, okay, because you're in control and you're going to have to give individual account on the day of judgment that you should just be like, you should just cut yourself off from others. People do have rights over you. But it's important and informative and helpful and necessary to think about what those rights are, what parameters those rights function within. Um, why are they there? Right? Islam is not a religion of parent worship or ancestor worship. Islam is not a religion of sports team worship or nation worship. Who's the only God in Islam? Allah. So there's a set of everything else you're commanded to revere. You re revere for his sake, and there's a set of parameters in which it's functional, and there's a set of parameters in, in which it's dysfunctional. And for that matter, even, even the Muslim community, because people will do all kind of boneheaded things, in, because, oh, the ummah needs this, the ummah needs that, you know? So someone will do exactly the thing that is forbidden uh, in Islam by God in order to serve Islam, so that it doesn't, it's, it's a broken, it's a broken mode of, of thinking, and this is one of the things in our in our religious tradition. We don't have this idea that thinking about two things too much is bad. We don't have this idea that you have to take something on blind faith. In fact, if you read the books of of Imul Kalam, the books of of Aqidah, they say that the the faith of a man who doesn't who, when asked like you do believe in God, right? Faith, the word faith itself has a bunch of Christian connotations. Why? Because English is like a language that most of its speakers are Christians for the last. You know, ever since, I don't know, the venerable bead or something like that. Um, the word iman in, in Arabic, it doesn't mean taking something on faith. It means, it means yaqeen, it means having certainty. So if someone asks you, does God exist? And you say, yes, but you really don't know. Your prayers and fasting are like, uh, I don't want to say they're a waste of time, but they're not as useful to you as you might think. Um, I studied in Mauritania, the Matan al-Akhdari, mashallah, is also probably the first book you read in Maliki Fiqh as well, right? It's a book about ritual law, but what's the first commandment written in it? The first, you know, and this is very different than people's cultural experience with Islam in the modern era at any rate. But this is the first thing that when kids are in Quran school, like in Maktab, classically they would learn. That the first, the first obligation on every person who's morally responsible, a morally responsible person is a, an adult, sane uh, a person who, who has access to uh, the teaching of the Prophet um, The first, the first uh, uh, obligation is what? Is it to make wudu? No. Is it to pray? No. Is it to fast? Is it to donate to the masjid? Is it to wave the flag of a particular country? Or, you know, like, you know, when Morocco plays against France in the World Cup that you have to cheer for Morocco, even though the French team is half Moroccans anyway, but, you know, like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, uh, it's what is that you have to correct any, like, any doubt that you have in your faith. Simple questions about does God exist? What are his necessary attributes? You know, uh, are, are, as Muslims, when we say that there's only one God, you know, is, is this necessarily true? Or is it true that, you know, people who are like prostrating, you know, in front of idols or who say, well, I believe all of this happened on its own or whatever. Do they have a point? Is it possible even that they have a point until you remove all of those doubts, which sadly, we have very few people who are, who actually are conversant in uh, even teaching these types of things or thinking about these types of things. And mosques usually don't talk about them. 
Um, but it doesn't mean that it's not there in our tradition. Uh, but you have to you have to come to your own conclusion with regards to them because nobody else can believe them on your behalf. If you're falling behind on your bills, I can pay your rent for you. If you're, you know, if you can't make it to Hajj, it's not even wajib on you. It's not even an obligation on you in the first place. But I can pay for you to go to Hajj. I can pay for you to, you know, if you want to get married and you don't have enough money for a dowry, I can pay for your dowry. If you want to, you know, for example, you know, visit your parents. Every act of piety, there's some something or another a person can help you with. This is something nobody else can help you with. You have to figure it out on your own. Once you figured it out on your own, then it's improper for a person to uh, uh, live life without thinking about stuff within that framework um, and thinking about what is it that I want to do, what is it that I don't want to do within that framework. Because life is very short, you know. You're already done with a third of your life. You may feel in some ways that your life hasn't started yet, but you're already done with a third of your life. If you want, if you want to have a family, if you want to have kids, you can't just wait thirty years for that. It doesn't work. Some people biology, biologically, literally, it won't work. Some people, you know, like if you're a, a male or you know, like I, I'm not trying to say this like in order to like start some sort of gender war or whatever. But I'm just saying, you know, even if you can, imagine that, right? I, I had a child. I had a child, a bit, my youngest child, little baby, mashallah, like three, three months old. It just occurred to me that my oldest daughter, she's fifteen years old. Like if I live, Lord knows how long anyone's going to live, you know, a person should come to grips with the fact that they may die soon. And then later on, they have to come to grips with the fact that they may be around for a very like depressingly long amount of time. But whatever it is, right, if imagine if I died when I'm 60, right, uh, I may not even see, uh, you know, I may not even see my, uh, my, my son like graduate from high school. Whereas the other kids, it's like kind of unfair, like they'll have be so much further in, but further in life or whatever. You have to make those decisions that have the impact for that stuff later on. And there will be somebody who will say, oh, but you know, you need to get this degree. You need to get this career. You need to uh, do this thing. You need to do that thing. You need to do the other thing. And you may need to. I don't know. No one can make that decision for you but yourself. But there's a thousand people who will be telling you a thousand different things that are that may or may not be in your in your interest they're probably not in your interest to be very honest with you very few people you'll find that are actually sincere for you you know someone might be sitting in this talk ah, you're also pushing your own agenda you know you're trying to tell them all this religious mumbo jumbo and they're you're gonna get them to like not not follow their career they may be right you have to make that decision right How, would it be stupider to believe that person or to believe me blindly they're all equally as stupid you have to make the decision for yourself what is it that you want to do? Because I promise you, the university, you know, when you're in university, what's the thing to do after getting your bachelor's degree? It's very natural to say master's and then PhD. Why? Because that's a track. That's a track of thinking that wasn't designed for you, but it's a track that things, things are flowing in. And so everything is designed to be in that flow. Or you're going to get a job. Every corporation in the United States of America, including the federal government, including state government, they're there to get you to think about your career as what? As you're going to go to this and then you're going to get a raise and then you're going to get this and then you're going to get that. We'll pay for your retirement. We'll pay for your burial. They have a plan for you even after you're dead. Who's going to plan for you better, them or you? Or do you think the government has your interest in mind all the time? If anyone here is here is an agent from the government, then I love the government, long live the government. <laughs> but like for the rest of us, right, you know, it could be theoretically possible that no matter how well-intentioned, uh, you know, any 
any corporation or any, uh, 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 you know, whatever uh, bureaucratic or institutional uh, setting may be toward you, they still are not going to make a better decision for you for your own life than you are for yourself. And guess what? Almost none of them are even have good intentions for you. They don't care. The, you know, how much, imagine if you got a good paying job when you came out. What are you studying right now? I'm doing pre-med stuff. Pre-med. So you became, you know, some super, uh, you know, uh, super like monetized specialization. My, 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 yeah, you, you know, my uh, wife's Chicago. uncle. Are you from Chicago? You from, uh, from Chicago. From where? I'm from, it's a suburb, Brookfield. Okay, mashallah, that's where Zoo is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that far. I, I, yeah, I live in Edison, so it's not that far away. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, you get like the most monetized uh, uh, special specialization. Um, I remember one of my wife's uncles, he's an uh, oncologist. He was complaining, oh, we don't make any money anymore. They gutted our field and blah, blah, blah. And like, what do you, let's throw out some numbers. Uh, we used to make, you know, 600000 700000 But now we're down to four fifty. I was like, hold on a second. I'm going to go get a handkerchief to like wipe my tears away, you know, and like, you know. But okay, imagine, imagine that. Do you think the hospital is going to pay you $700,000 if they're not making more than $700,000? The day they're making less than that, they'll cut you. The day they can do your job without you, that's the day you'll get a letter in the mail and you're, you're toast, right? Should they be a welfare, uh, uh, welfare program, charity program to, even, to pay you even though you're not doing anything for the hospital? It's one would like to have somebody who loves them that much. Sadly, most people's spouses don't love them that much. Uh, so why is the hospital or the corporation or government going to love you that much, right? But... Uh, uh, like it makes sense for them to look out for themselves, but what happens? We are we ourselves allow ourselves to be seduced and kind of cocooned into this idea that somehow or another, if I let someone else make decisions for me, it's going to be better for me, and it's not. Like I can understand, not everybody is like psychiatrically, uh, mentally, cognitively made up the same way, and so some people stresses you know kind of burden them more, so they need to kind of like ease up a little bit and like you know let someone else do some of the heavy lifting, in which case at least try to find somebody who won't cheat you as bad uh, in doing so. But, you know, you you are university students. You made it here somehow or another. I'm assuming that, you know, unless, uh, you know, since there's no, like, Lexuses in the parking lot or whatever, uh, well, very few at any rate, um, that, you know, you got some sort of scholarship because you're competent people, you know. Think about things, even though it hurts sometimes. It's scary sometimes. Think about what it is that you want to do, why it is that you want to do it. Think about the fact that you have to live in this world for some time. You can be the most pious, seventh-degree black belt ninja of piety, but if you don't have enough money to pay your bills, if you have a family and you're not able to take care of them, you're, you're a bad person no matter how much you pray. But on the, on the flip side, on the flip side, you're going to die one day, on, at which time you're, nobody's going to be like, I wish I made more money. Forget about dying. You know, even before that, you're going to be, okay, someone will be like, hey, here's a job. Forget about $700,000. you will make $2 million a year, but you're not going to have time with your kids. What are you going to say to your daughter when she's 18? She's like, I don't even know who you are. What are you going to say to your kids when they, you know, say that to you? At that time, a person will, like, want to burn their own house down in order to, like, make whatever this thing just happened unhappen. You have to think about all of those things. 
and you're going to constantly be changing your mind about things. You're going to constantly be making new plans. You're going to constantly be reconsidering things. You're going to constantly... And the fact that you thought about something and made a plan is absolutely 100%. And this is what we were talking about. This is half of the conversation since last night that we've been having. The fact that you completely lined up the ducks for something has no bearing or relationship with whether that thing is going to happen or not. And so you have to be able to, you know, that process of, you know, like thinking through things, you're going to have to iteratively keep repeating it again and again and again because Allah Ta'ala will throw you different circumstances based on what He wants to see from you not what you want to see from yourself the person who submits to the Lord makes friends with Him at least will be reassured that even though this is difficult there's something good will come out of all of this whereas the person who's in it on their own like we have a, we have a belief right in particular the Sunni tradition in Islam we have a belief that, that nothing happens except for through the, the will of the Lord nobody has free will free will is something that is, operates within a context even that is uh, something that, that the Lord gave us choices about things and he knew that we're going to do it from beforehand and this is one of the early controversies in Islamic theology that there's the Qadariya and the Jabariya the Qadariya are the people who say no all your actions are completely your own choice God doesn't have any say in that and the Jabariya they're hard determinists they say no everything God decreed from beforehand and there was a sect of them says there's no point in even trying because whatever is going to happen is going to end up happening in the first place this is one of the unique contributions to philosophy of, uh, uh, of the Sunni tradition, in particular of Islam, which is we have a doctrine called kasb, which is what? Everything happens by the divine decree, but you also have some sort of, you also, you, it's something, like something you earn as well. It's not like God makes you do things uh, in a way that, uh, that it, you, you, know, you didn't want to do the things you did as well on your own. He created you. And so he could have, I guess, made you different so that you would have wanted something else. But at the same time, it's intuitive to you and to all other living things that you, your choices, you own them yourself. And just like maybe somebody's living in a rented apartment, but while they're there, it's kind of it's intuitive to them that it's theirs, even though they don't formally own it. Um, and so Mulana Rumi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he, he, uh, he made the metaphor or not the metaphor, the parable of when you throw a rock, even a, a dog, if you throw a rock at a dog, the dog is going to be more upset with you than he is with the rock. Because everything that happens, there's God is behind it. right? But you still understand, you have this idea that you have a choice in something, you have a desire in something that has a reality. Um, and uh, uh, this is part of, you know, this is also a part of our doctrine. I find the... American sensibility really uh, doesn't appreciate saying that there's somebody else other than myself who's in control of things, who makes stuff happen, whose will overpowers all other wills. But on the flip side, I would say I don't know. I mean, like I don't know how anyone could live a life being completely, you know, thinking of themselves as being completely in control of what happens and not just go mad, because a lot of messed up stuff happens in in life. There are a lot of things you'll never be able to, like, you'll never be able to take responsibility for without destroying yourself. Imagine you see one of your children die, you see uh, your spouse die, you lose your home, you lose your income, you get, you know, you, God forbid, someone make a mistake and do something bad in their life. And then afterward, uh, afterward, you know, you can repent if it's God that you're accountable to, you can repent and he can forgive you because he, it's him that you're accountable to. If you're accountable to yourself, how, how are you going to forgive yourself? You forgive yourself, that's the opposite of any sort of accountability. 
and again, you know, to mention, this is part of also part of our uh, um, part of our creed, which is I think our creed is in some sense similar with regards to repentance to the, that of Christian Christians that a person through the through, through the blessings of faith, a person will eventually be forgiven of all sins. But one of the things I think that's unique, that's different between the belief of the Christians and the belief of Muslims is this, is that we divide what is a sin between the, the slave and the Lord and what are other people's rights, which are not sins, but they have to be forgiven or they have to either be forgiven or fulfilled. So if you, I don't know, if your heart is aflame with the light of faith, but you owe someone like $10,000, you still owe, owe them $10,000, you know? You're accountable for that. That's like repentance and all that stuff has nothing to do with that. Like if you harm somebody, you have to still... But I'm saying, okay, the sin part of it, right? The sin part of it, still, you know, if, if you're not accountable to somebody else, then how can you be forgiven for any of it? I don't know how a person could walk around with that burden. Mashallah, people who are young or people who have never suffered any difficulty in life, they may have difficulty understanding what that is, coping with what that is. Uh, but nobody lives life unafflicted by difficulty and the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that ever happened to you so for some people it may be something completely horrific for something people it may be relatively more mild but it's always going to be something that you always think about and be like oh that was horrible you know how are you going to cope with that uh um except for except for through at any rate having some sort of resignation in front of the lord still the doctrine is of cusp what you want is what you're going to get so it is in your interest to be honest enough with yourself to know what it is that you want and then to make your decisions on your own behalf and to put an effort in order to get the information you need in order to make those correct decisions, whether it has to do with something um, ritually relevant uh, with Islam. So we think about that as something Islamic, but really Islam is everything. Everything is Islamic. You want to buy a house. You know that's gonna the the dean is going to have something to say say about that. There are two different, three different options that you have. All of them are halal. All of them, none of them involves uh, usury or any of these other things that the the sacred law proscribes. Even then, the decision between them is something that has to do with Islam. If you're gonna buy a you know a house with you know a three hundred thousand dollar house because there's a fancy chandelier or whatever, well, I guess stuff has become expensive now. Now that's more like a $900,000 house, right? $300,000 basically will probably barely buy you a house that you can raise a family in anymore anyway. Whatever, you know, if you're going to be buy something more expensive because it's fancy, you're going to be slave to that thing for a longer amount of time. You have to put all of that, you know, calculation in because it's, but, you know, if you, you know, if you don't, if you don't buy the fancy house, you know, uh, maybe you're a Spartan ascetic that will be able to survive in it, but your family is not going to, is not going to abide by it or whatever. You have to make all of the decisions, make an informed decision and own it yourself. And if you decide not to decide, you decide to like to let someone else make the decision for you. Don't be like, oh, you know, I listened to that person and they ruined me. No, you decided to listen to that person, just own it yourself. Take responsibility for it as well. Not a very reassuring message, somewhat of a scary message, but I wouldn't have mentioned it to any of you if I didn't think that in the end, knowing is better than not knowing. Um, and uh, uh, dealing with a little bit of stress beforehand is a lot better than coming to a point where your life is over and you become old like me and then say, I wish, you know, someone told me this and I wish someone told me that because by that time it's too late. Life is like that, you know, by the time you know which, uh, you know, place to buy your groceries from in Grinnell and which, you know, dorm is a good dorm, it's time to move out and, you know, go somewhere else and you're probably never going to come back again. 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's better to, it's better to go in with eyes open uh, ahead of time. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammadan wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. So that was 